Hi, this is Chad. You're here for a special edition of Zick and Wick. We'll be covering The Rise of Skywalker. There will be heavy, 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 big, big, big spoilers throughout this conversation. So if you don't want to be spoiled, please go into the movie, then come back and listen to us. Hello, this is Chad, and I'm here with Zach, and we're here for a special edition of the Zick and Wick podcast. Uh, I apologize if I sound a little rough. I woke up early after seeing the movie uh, approximately one and a half times last night. I couldn't make it through the second the second screening. And we're here to talk about Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. I have to say, we'll start off right at the bat talking about how we felt about the movie. I know going into the movie, I I was kind of aware of the critic reception I had a feeling about how it was going to be received going in. Uh, let's just jump right into it. I liked the movie. I had my nitpicks, but overall, I had a very good time. It was very funny. It was very light. I had a lot of qualms with it, but overall, I had a good time at the movie theater. Did I think it was a good ending to the Skywalker saga? No, I thought that was a little strange. It felt like another movie. I think the the stuff was shoved in there with Palpatine. I didn't feel like it was necessary. I didn't really like that it was in the, the end to these, these nine films. But as a movie onto itself, I had a good time. And I don't regret my time in the theater. And I know I've seen it one and a half times, but I'll probably see it again. And I don't say that. I don't say that about a lot of movies. And that's the main criteria for me. Zach, what were your thoughts on the movie? Um, very similar to you. Um, I found it very enjoyable. It was, was it a perfect movie? No. Was it, did you get all the wrap up that you wanted to? Did it end the way people exactly wanted it to? Probably not. I was, I was fine with how it ended, but it was a good time at the movies. It was very fast paced. I like that. I like that it was no, um, there was really no lull in the story. It just kept go, go, go. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy with how it ended. Um, I know uh, I, I was like you. I read a few of the – you couldn't really avoid it if you saw anything, any just newscast at all in the last couple of days since the premiere. You saw something that showed either the Rotten Tomatoes score or some something saying mixed reviews. Even if you didn't dig into it, you knew. I mean, it already – it, it already yeah. changed your perception of of going into it. So I was, because of that, I was going in with, I wasn't expecting it to be the best movie ever. I wasn't expecting it to be the worst movie ever. And it landed, it landed somewhere towards the top. It wasn't perfect, but I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, and, and a lot of the critics who are roasting this movie, they are judging it critically. And that's that's fair, I guess. So whenever I go into a movie, I am analyzing it and i'm trying to either enjoy it or pick it apart the thing that indicates to me how i should view it is is it a piece of entertainment or is it a piece of art and sometimes they can be both this movie is not artful this movie is just pure entertainment whereas the last jedi i felt like there was a lot more art and craft and things that was were blended in this was just pure let's have a good time popcorn movie enjoy yourself don't worry about all the crazy thematics and showmanship and 
One, okay, I guess one big one big critique I had of the film, and this is not um, getting into plot holes or story beats, is just that some of the visuals seemed there was nothing. There was no individual scene. Maybe there was a one or two, but there was there was a, a handful of scenes in the Last Jedi where visually I thought it was freaking beautiful, or I was really wowed by something that was visually happening on screen. I thought the lightsaber fight in The Last Jedi was incredible. I was like, this is amazing. And there was nothing like that in this movie. I think there's a couple neat tricks they do where they're able to... um, Oh, sorry. There is one scene, a couple scenes that I liked a lot. When Rey and Kylo are fighting through their connection... They have like a lightsaber fight, but it's through their, I don't know, telepathic link across the galaxy. I thought that was very cool. That's a continuation of something that happened in The Last Jedi. So I thought a lot of the stuff that they connected back to The Last Jedi was very cool. When they tried to respond to The Last Jedi or change direction, I could see it. I could feel it. And it took me out of the movie a little bit, but it was still overall pretty fun. There were a couple of definitely slap in the face things to Last Jedi, which I kind of liked. I thought it was I thought it was funny. Um, it made me unless you were just a total Star Wars nerd, you're probably not even going to catch on to it. But that is the one thing that they did pull from the Last Jedi that obviously J.J. Abrams really liked was that Force connection between them and used it. I not not only just the the fighting scene, but the very end scene where he's able to pull the saber from her from from long distance, basically to to win his fight with the Knights of Red. I thought that was I thought that was a pretty cool touch. So yeah, yeah. they yeah. they pretty much they kind of crapped on the Last Jedi for most of it, but they did pull the the couple little things that they liked out of it. Did you catch the part where they mentioned they had some sort of gag or joke or zinger when they made fun of the Holdo maneuver? Yeah, basically what he said is why can't we just use the Holdo maneuver on all these star these new star destroyers? pose like that was a one in a million shot that that never should have happened basically is what he was saying okay now go going to the holdo maneuver i do going back to what you said about the arts versus arts versus popcorn fun if you think about every other star wars movie none of them have really been like art pieces they've all been really the last jedi was kind of trying to I mean, they tried to do so many different things that, that to, to a normal Star Wars movie. So this was more back to the the popcorn fun. Um, now that Holdo maneuver, that may be the most memorable scene out of a Star Wars movie. That's the one that took my breath away the most out of anything in the new trilogy. I will still remember being in the theater, how quiet it was, how just how beautiful a shot it was. That that's still probably my favorite scene of the of the of the sequel trilogy. I was going back and thinking about all the different things in The Last Jedi that I liked visually. I remember when we went, when we get to the last planet, I think it's Crate. At the very um, end, yeah. Yeah, the battle yeah, of Crate. The, the red and the white, the, the, right. the composition of, this, of the frame, the way that they lined up all the, the walkers, everything that was done there was very beautiful. The, the fight within the throne room, within Snoke's ship, is freaking amazing. The actual design of the ships for Kylo and for Snoke, I thought were very cool. I don't know. It just there's a lot of things in this movie and Rise of Skywalker where I felt like they were rushing. Like they put this movie out pretty quickly, even after letting go of 
Colin Traverow deciding to take it in a new direction and hiring JJ, they moved very quickly. I can tell. There was a couple of visuals that were cool too. I want to make sure I give them credit. When when Emperor Palpatine is is electrocuting all the ships, it looks very cool. So things that I liked. One of the issues I had with The Last Jedi is that they've separated all the characters and the pairings besides Kylo and Rey and Luke, the pairings that they put them in were bad. They they had no chemistry. It seemed like those characters were pushing against one another and it wasn't fun at all. They they correct that immediately in this movie. Poe and Finn are together with Chewie and some droids, and they're having a blast in the beginning of this movie. Like, they're having a lot of fun. And part of the reason that the original trilogy was so well-received is because the main three, Han, Luke, and Leia, are together, and they're having a good time. They're forming a bond. They're becoming a family. In The Last Jedi, Rey and Kylo are are forming a relationship. We'll get more on that later. And she's pushing against and growing with Luke, but none of the other characters ha- are, are growing together and or are having fun. That family bond, that friendship is not is not forming. They're not as much jokes. The chemistry is not as great. In The Rise of Skywalker, everyone is having a good time. The only thing that makes me feel bad, like Finn and Poe are having a good time, but it comes at cost of Kelly Tran's character. They basically kick her out of the movie for like two-thirds of the movie. And I don't know if this is something that she wanted. Like, it was too much for her. And she's like, you know what? I, the pressure from The Last Jedi, all the... There was a lot of criticism of her character, and it impacted her in real life. So I don't know if that was some of her choice. I think um, John Boyega had some critical comments about her and how she reacted to the the criticism, and he immediately had to kind of pull back on that. So I wonder if some of this was her choice. Yeah, it very well could have been. Yeah, she really got kicked to the curb on this one, which is kind of unfortunate because um, they could have done more with her character. Obviously, they kind of just left the whole... I don't know if it was a budding romance at the end of Last Jedi. They left that totally out of this movie. They kind of alluded to it for a second, and they're like, no, we're not really going to touch this. So I agree with you. They did a very good job of putting the whole team together, using them in the right spots, separating them when they needed to, but pairing up the right people. It was a lot more. To me, this was a very well-acted movie. And this was... Nothing really felt forced to everybody. Like you said, everybody's just kind of having fun together. I was happy how the acting performances came out, but it was at the expense of a few other side characters. Uh, touching on the relationship stuff, one of the critiques I had of uh, The Force Awakens and to some extent The Last Jedi is where they tried to pair up John Boyega with somebody that was falling in love with him or that he was falling in love with, and it just wasn't working. In the first movie, I never believed that. I think he had a crush on Ray, but I don't think Ray ever had any interest in him. Mm-hmm. This movie directly kind of responds to that and addresses that. I also didn't think he had much chemistry with Rose. 
So I'm glad they didn't go forward with it. In this movie, they they don't force Finn to be with somebody or to chase after somebody, and his character is saved by it. I never liked Finn's character in the first two movies because, well, I liked him as an individual and his potential. I even liked some of his acting, but I think the choices they made with the character in the first two movies, I I struggled with. Like the idea of the, a former stormtrooper rebelling and becoming part of the resistance, I thought that was very compelling. And I just, everything that, all the choices they made with him after that, I didn't like it. But in this movie, there's no, like, everything he, he and Poe do make total sense. And that part of the movie, I do not question at all. There's a few jokes where he wants to confess his love to Ray. It, it doesn't happen. And it, I'm glad it doesn't happen. Like, Ray sees Finn as a you know, brother or you know, part of her family. Yep, I think that's yeah. You summed it up pretty nicely. I like him with. Uh, I mean, his best counterpart to me is is Poe. Um, the fact that they had him together most of the movie. That was when he was the most fun in the Force Awakens. Um, that was when he was the most fun in this movie. So they didn't use that at all in the Last Jedi. So yeah, it really blended to his character much better in this movie. Yeah, and there are some people out on the internet that were saying, you know, these two had the most chemistry. What if they were in a romantic relationship? <laughs> And there were some people who thought that that might happen. And I was like, you know what? It it could happen, and it would actually make perfect sense. They decided not to do that in this movie. They gave somebody for Poe to have a semi-romantic um, connection with. That's the new character played by... Uh, I always forget her name, but I call her Felicity. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> do you know, remember her name? Uh, I'm try- uh, no, now that you said Felicity, that's all I can think of. And whenever I see her, I just think of, I think Felicity and like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I don't know um, if that would have, yeah, I know what you're saying. I don't know if that would have set up very well because they've already established that they established pretty obviously in the force awakens that uh, Finn is secretly in love with Ray. Oh, so yeah. I, it just, it, I don't know. It, it wouldn't have fit very well. And then they did a good job of kind of saying, no, this isn't, um, Poe's got this thing for for Felicity, so yeah, yeah. Her her name is um Carrie Russell. Felicity came out when I was in high school, and I remember having a huge, and I remember having a huge crush on her, and yep. so she'll she'll forever be Felicity to me. Yep, same same to me. Like I, I know she's in that show, The Americans, but it just that's all I ever see in her. So the first act of this movie, they are, I mean, I guess the entire movie, the pacing is very snappy, very quick, which I. Thought it was strange at first, but it actually worked for me in terms of keeping it light and not having me think about what's going on too much. In a way, it helps keep the movie, for lack of a better term, like simple or dumb. Like you don't have time to to, to ponder it, which is fine by me. The movie, I think the runtime of the movie is like two hours and 20 minutes, but mm-hmm. I think it's closer to two hours when you bump out the credits yeah yeah i was never it was never like there was never a check your watch moment in this movie you were i was fully invested the entire time yeah thinking about the hard sci-fi of it all and that's something we can talk about a little bit later is hard sci-fi versus low or soft sci-fi they go really hard into hard sci-fi in this movie and 
part of the thing that happens or what you need to do to make hard sci-fi work is that the audience needs to understand how the world operates, the rules of the world, so that when things are happening in the world, you are just reacting and you're not having to process the information. A lot of the stuff, the reveals that happen in the third act with Palpatine, all the twists and turns, all this new stuff that they throw in at the end, it was very jarring to me. And I was thinking about, like, what, where was all this stuff before? I think a lot of the hardcore Star Wars fans who read the books and stuff may have a better appreciation for it. But, and maybe it's okay with, for them. But for me, I was aware of it because of our conversation. A lot of the stuff that we talked about in prior episodes of Sick and Wick actually came to fruition in this movie. But I think a lot of folks who are are casual fans or who are not who are into Star Wars because of the philosophy and the religion and the camaraderie, like those three themes that are in all the Star Wars movies, the religion, philosophy, and the friendship, the bond of friendship and family, that's its primary goal. The the hard sci-fi stuff of it that really isn't in the features. It might be in the books, it might be in the TV shows, but they kind of gloss over it. And the times where they spend a lot of time on the hard sci-fi aspects are in the prequels. And that's some of the stuff that people are like, I wish they didn't really get into all the nitty-gritty of the Metachlorians, the cloning, and stuff like that. I, I agree with you. There were some things it's like, wow, they just they kind of threw that in. Or, wow, we're really going there. That, that's what we're going to do here. One thing I do... Now, they haven't really established a lot of it in the new canon, at least, like where all this where his powers are cut, where Palpatine's powers are coming from, how he was, how he stayed alive or how his soul or whatever his essence stayed alive. The one thing I think it does do is it leaves a lot of space to fill up with books and comics and video games and whatever kind of, whatever kind of source Lucasfilm chooses to use, they can now fill the space up and come up with different stories and keep selling more stories and more books and more comics, which I, I kind of like that. That was, that was the thing that kind of went through my mind whenever there'd be something that just, Oh, that's just, we've never seen that before. Now they can kind of, they can backtrack and explain it um, more in depth to the, to the more hardcore fans that really want to know they'll, they'll be able to do that. Okay. All right. So, I'm going to go through some of my notes. My notes are taken in chronological order, so we may be touching on things that are happening in the movie in order, but that's just coincidence because of the way I took my notes. So we already talked about the Finn and Poe relationship. That's kind of the very jump-off point in the first act. The thing that really works in the first act is Finn, Poe, Chewie, and all the gang having fun together. I mentioned the pace. The pacing is very quick. It's good and bad, but... I do feel like it's different from all the other Star Wars movies. They jump around between from planet to planet. In The the Force Awakens and in other movies, I felt that happening. And it felt like it was resetting the movie each time. In this movie, I feel like it's a natural progression. And I, I knew they were jumping from planet to planet, but I didn't feel like it was slowing down the plot. So I didn't feel it but I know other critics have commented on the planet jumping. I had no issue with it whatsoever. Uh, yeah, so I thought everything flowed pretty well. I mean, 
it kept you kind of on the edge of your seat the entire movie. You were never, you never got bored. Mm. Oh, there is another visual scene, a very powerful scene that I enjoyed a lot when they go to, I don't know the name of the planet, but the desert planet where they're having that big festival. It's called Pasana. Okay. Pasana. Yep. So what, after they, ha- they, they visit the festival, when they go and they have that chase afterwards, that chase was pretty fun. I think they could have made it more visually interesting. However, the one part that really, really worked for me is when Ray is pulling down that ship with her force abilities and Kylo grabs it as well. And they're having like a, a face off and they're, they're competing to take down the ship. I thought that analogy and that visually looks pretty cool. So during that face off, Kylo's challenging Ray and Ray she gets emotionally upset and she force lightnings and blows up this ship. And we think that Chewie is dead. And th- there were people in the theater fucking crying. <laughs> I could, and the guy next to me, I actually, I got up and I went over to the, the enclave so I can take some notes. And when I came back, he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, what's wrong? He's like, Oh, I, w- I thought you took, a, you took a, a break because you were crying after Chewie died. And I, I actually, I mean, I was kind of moved by it and I was like a little, I, I liked the idea of there being stakes of there being consequences and Ray having made a mistake and having it have um, something that she accidentally did that had like consequences to the movie. There, there was very little, like nobody died in the movie besides Leia and that was kind of a necessity. But beyond that, there was nobody who suffered at all in this movie, which is I'm fine by. It, when everyone's going to survive and you feel that, it takes away a lot of the weight and it makes the movie very light. From that moment, I'm like, okay, this movie is not going to go dark. It's not going to be The Last Jedi. Well, they did. I mean, they did kill off one main character at the end, but um, I don't think anybody felt too bad about him dying after everything he's done, so... Yeah, so let's talk about that. So Kylo dies at the end of the movie. The Raylo shipping folks out there are very happy because they kiss. It works a lot. They the two, Those two characters did have a very strong bond, and I thought it was realistic. However, Kylo has done some evil shit, and I don't think he can be redeemed at all. I didn't want to see that, that trope played out again in this movie when they kissed i was thinking oh that's cool yay that's great how is he going to survive how is he going to be a part of this world given all the things that he's done in the past and then he dies so i thought it was fitting i was like okay cool we got he we we get kylo's death and we also get raylo but i didn't i didn't see a world in which he could he could be around after his redemption yeah um i thought they i thought they handled it well just because throughout all the movies or all the sequel trilogy they've always hinted at his he's always been torn by the light and the dark he's just uh, he's always trying to stay in the dark but he's being pulled back from the light i think uh, or the light's trying to pull him back so i i was fine with the with the redeeming arc i do agree i was i think it was good they killed him off in the end and kind of the way they did it yeah well uh I didn't think people were, I didn't think you were able to bring people back to life. Maybe she wasn't totally dead. Maybe she was just almost dead. 
I did have a little bit of a hard time with that because they've done, I mean, I mean, you think back to the whole episode two, episode three, Anakin's trying to save Padme from death and he can't. And that's why he, he basically turns to the dark side and, oh, wait, we can bring people back from the dead. Yeah, I was <clears throat> I was wondering about that as well. I did like the idea of sharing your life force. It's something that I, I've thought of in the past. The idea of being able to say, I'm going to give part of myself to, to keep you alive is a, a nice device. If you're not watching The Mandalorian or you don't read the books, it does kind of come out of nowhere. Like, oh, we're going to come up with this ability to to save people's lives. And as soon as it happens in the beginning of the movie, I'm like, okay, I know this is going to be very critical for the way the, the movie ends. And it does, and it's fine. I have no problems with it. But it does seem like a new ability that may people may not like that idea. Um, hopefully they don't start creating new powers for these Jedi going forward. I did wonder whether or not Ray was dead, but her 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 skin gets very pale and her yeah. eyes are stiff. So it, I thought she was dead, but it's it's one of those things where it's kind of a fake out. It's a movie device. I'm like, okay, I'll give you a pass. Yeah. But it is there's a lot of plot holes in this movie. Not plot holes, but like things that they they conjure for the plot to make things exciting, to give us an enemy etc to to raise they raised palpatine from the dead and they the entire palpatine setting him up it happens within the first five minutes of the movie like they don't want you to think about it at all they're just like palpatine is. is back and he's a new bad guy <laughs> don't think about it and there was no there was no build-up and i think that's a good choice for the movie because if you have to think about it you'll start picking apart this movie. Because they set it up early, and you're just like, this is the new bad guy, and who we're going to fight, you can enjoy yourself. If you had to think about Palpatine while all the other stuff was going on, and have it be kind of a reveal that Palpatine is the bad guy, then your brain is is worried of thinking about that while also trying to have fun, and that doesn't work in my mind. I'm glad they did it this way, but I do recognize that it's weird. One thing I do like how they handled with the whether you agree with the whole redeeming arc of Kylo Ren or not, um, I do like how they handled how it happened. I like him. I, he wasn't a force ghost. I think he was more just his own memory talking to him. I like that they brought Han Solo back to kind of talk to him and almost give him the same speech that was in Force Awakens, just a little different. Um, I like that they that Leia used kind of the same power that. Um, which we know she has that power because they've used it in they used it in the old trilogy where she can talk to people over 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 light years and she does it at the right time to basically save Ray. She gets him distracted. Ray's able to escape, or it, she well she stabs him, heals him, makes him see that hey you need to start thinking about becoming a good guy, and then he sees his, sees his father. I, I, I liked how all that was done. I liked how the redeeming um, arc happened. I agree with you. I actually liked that aspect a lot. I like how they executed it. Uh, I think you needed to see the, the Force ghosts of Luke, Leia, and Han in this movie. If you're going to cap off these nine films, you need to see them again. In my theater, everyone cheered for when, when Lando showed up. Everyone cheered 
when Han Solo showed up, there was some when Leia shows up, people were moved and she dies and comes back in the same film. So there wasn't a, a need for her people to cheer. Um, but nobody made a sound, clapped or did anything when Luke when Luke's Force Ghost showed up. And I thought that was a little strange. It may be because of the timing of the of when he shows up. But I wonder how people's perception or how people feel about Luke now. Because I think that was one of the things that people didn't like about the Force, or sorry, The Last Jedi, is that Luke kind of becomes uh, a salty old man. He is not the optimist that he was in the first three. This is one of the uh, kind of slap of the face of Last Jedi things that I, I, I kind of got a chuckle out of. Um, so she's on, when she goes back to Octu, she's burning the, the TIE fighter. Um, she goes to throw the lightsaber into the fire, and Luke catches it and hands it back to her, which is a total reversal of the beginning of The Last Jedi, oh, where yes. he grabs it and throws it. He's like, this thing doesn't matter. And, and then he goes into a, a, a spiel about you need to treat your, your Jedi weapon with more respect. That was a total screw you last Jedi, which I, I, didn't, I, didn't I thought even, it was I, funny. I didn't catch that. That's a good, that's a good point. Um, I do like that even Luke has an arc of his own. Because if you think of Luke as a real person in real life, when you're young, you are hopeful and you have all these big dreams. And if you pursue those dreams and fail, or if just something goes wrong, you're likely to become cynical and jaded and maybe a little salty and you may isolate yourself. You have a reaction to your failure, and Luke has that in The Last Jedi. It's realistic. The fact that people didn't like that, I think, was a little, you know, I think that was a little naive and a little juvenile. However, Luke is given the opportunity to redeem himself in that movie. In the end, he's like, I'm not going to give up on my friends that I abandoned. I'm sorry. You know, he, he dies for for Ray and for the gang and he's back in this movie and he's redeeming himself even further, even after, even from beyond the grave. So people who have criticisms of Luke's arc, I, I, I react to him like, you know, you need to think about, you know, people change and he needs an arc too. He can't just be this little kid who with, with doe eyes, that's always perpetually optimistic. You know, people need an arc. Yep. No, I, I agree. I think that's, that was a good way to do it. It's a, I mean, a lot of people become, they, like you said, salty old man, they, they get jaded by life and from what happens. And that we saw, I mean, even uh, Ray, that was happening to her in this episode until basically Luke intervened and said, Hey, I was wrong. Don't, don't do the same thing I did. Um, don't, don't turn your back on your friends. And Ray does, you know, you can see her draw to the dark side. Um, and I would have believed it too. I don't know if I would have seen her as Empress, which Empress Palpatine. So let's just talk about that reveal. So one of Ray's parents is the the child of Palpatine. When this happened, I have no idea. I don't remember Palpatine having a kid. Maybe it's in the books or something, but it did seem like it came out of left field. I I believed it. It was a little bit of retconning, which I did. There's a lot of retconning in this movie. I guarantee you they came up with this specifically for this movie and it was not a part of their plan. Yeah, that that's um I I'll get into it now. Um I, I had it in my notes. That is and I think I talked about it a little bit in the in the last podcast. Um 
that is the one thing that I just don't understand about Star Wars, how they could have gone into this trilogy without a full story in their mind. I it just it's like they just went from movie to movie to movie and they're just kind of reacting to what happened in the last movie or retconning what happened in the last movie. Uh, it's not like, uh, again, I comparing it to Marvel, they've got, they've got years of movies already planned out what's going to happen, at least the big things. Um, I mean, Lord of the Rings isn't a great comparison because it's a bunch of old books that you already knew what was going to happen. But I, I really wish they would have had a complete trilogy ready for this. So it just would have felt like a more cohesive story. A thousand percent agree with you. I've seen some critics compare this trilogy or these nine movies against Harry Potter, against the Marvel Universe, against the Lord of the Rings. And it's an apt comparison. Like those those franchises, Star Wars, it does seem like beyond the original trilogy, and even in the prequels, even though the prequels aren't received well, you can watch them from beginning to end and they have an arc and it's not deviating and it makes sense if you, when you watch it. The, these three movies, these last three, the first one and the second one, they seem like they're of a piece. They are different in their own ways. Like The Last Jedi is growing from The Force Awakens and reacting to it, but not in a... Uh, I'm going to change what happened in the last movie. It's like, I'm going to grow from it. This yeah. movie feels like it is taking a left turn from what happened in The Last Jedi. There are parts where they grow from it or it's a continuation of the same ideas, but a lot of it is right. When people go back and watch these movies again, I don't think they'll, sh I don't think you'll watch from episode seven to episode nine and be like, these are the three movies I'm going to watch together. I think you will watch either The Force Awakens by itself. I think you'll watch The Last Jedi on its own, or you'll watch this one on its own. And depend, it'll depend on your mood like and what you're in for. But they're not going to be watching this as a um, trilogy together. One thing that kind of popped in my mind after seeing the movie was, um, if you think of the cliffhanger between Episode 5 and 6, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, um, you've got Han Solo, Frozen, and Carbonite... You've got Luke's just revealed, or they just revealed that Darth Vader's his father. I mean, all this good stuff that kind of carried from episode set five to six. You didn't have any of that in episode eight and nine. Yeah, totally agree. And they talk about Ryan Johnson. You could tell that I, I don't think they gave him an end post. Like, you need to get to this. I think they just said, go write your movie, and we'll, and, you know, we'll come up with something afterwards. I think this would have I think this would have served a lot better. Again, I was fine with all the Palpatine stuff, but if they would have started sprinkling seeds of that in the Last Jedi, it would have it, the con continuity between that movie and this movie would have felt a lot better. But it's just it just comes out of I mean, even the opening crawl, it's like the, I think it starts off with the dead live or something like that. A very uh, I, I remember getting done with the crawl. I'm like, well, that was a, that was kind of different. That was it didn't feel like a normal Star Wars connected crawl. I remember seeing that too. And I was reading the crawl and it seemed like it was a mixture of, of like jokey fun. Plus like, it seemed like it was starting from zero. Like it was starting over and it, the way it was written, the tone of it seemed much different from prior movies. 
And I think in a way they're setting you up for the fun aspect of this movie. Just from the jump in the crawl, I think they want you to get ready. Palpatine is back. Palpatine's there. Know that he's a big bad and don't worry about it. Giving back to some criticism of Palpatine, when they're in the throne room, whatever they want, you want to call it, and he's got hundreds of thousands of these people that are following him, that really, really put me off. These folks in these black robes that are basically worshipping Palpatine, the idea of him being like the Sith Lord and people worshipping him, I kind of get it, but it comes out of nowhere in this film, and it's it's weird. It's just straight-up weird. And then building from that, Palpatine says he has his master plan, right? He wants he wanted Ray dead. He wanted Kylo to kill Ray. Then it turns out he just wanted Ray to come into the room so that she could be the Empress. And then it turns out, oh no, I wanted to steal the life force from Kylo and Ray. Like those three changes of paces, those misdirections, I hated it. I hated it. So but- I I chalked that up. I wasn't I was okay with it because I don't think um he realized so I think um they've established this in some of the other um like books and comics that not every force user has all force abilities. Like most Jedi can't use lightning, not everyone has um healing power. Um there's this uh there's this force power where like that you can touch objects and basically see their history. Not every Jedi or not every Sith has every power. Um, so what I'm what I kind of got out of that is both Kylo and Ray have the the Force healing ability, and he didn't he didn't expect that. And when he got them into the room together, he's like, "Oh, I can instead of using you, I can just come back to life." I that's kind of what I took that as is it, he wasn't planning that part. That part just that was kind of a happy accident for him. Yeah, I didn't think about it that way. But th- this this gets to that my point of hard sci-fi versus soft sci-fi. So that's a hard sci-fi thing. If my brain has to think about it, it needs like I need to be ready for it. And I think that I, I don't want to think that hard about the rules of the world for the first yeah. time in this movie. I think and what they only could... we, this the stuff that we've talked about in the past helps me understand what's happening in this movie a lot more i'm thinking about a casual fan who didn't have that information that you provided i think what they could have done a little better in establishing all that is um so even in mandalorian but also in this movie both baby yoda and ray use the force heal ability it doesn't really um i'm going to compare it to baby yoda when he does when he lifts the mud horn that takes it out of him, like he's out for the next couple of days. But when he does the force heal on grief, it doesn't really, like it doesn't knock him out. He's he may be a little tired, but it didn't really show. The only, the time that uh, the times that Ray uses it in this episode on the snake and on Kylo, it doesn't like it doesn't really take it out of her. Like she doesn't seem like she's she's maybe a little tired, but not too phased from it. I think they could have done a better job of showing that using that ability you're giving part of your life force out of you into to heal whatever wound and it really takes it out of you like if she would have been 
like passed out or like on the verge of, of passing out from both those. I think it would have established that a little, like the rules of that ability a little better. Yeah. I'm, I'm there with you. That is the, the responsibility you have as a sci-fi writer, storyteller, etc. That's the rule with hard sci-fi and with hard and high, high fantasy. I think we talked a little bit about some of the Easter eggs. Do you want to go deep into the Easter eggs? I didn't um, really. Yeah. yeah, I can. I've got a few written down um, that that I liked. One was I, I can't remember what planet they were talking about. It was Kylo and and General Hux and the new general were there, and they were all walking through a corridor. And Kylo gives General Hux some order. Hux has a very snarky remark. Is basically like shall we destroy all of it or something? It was a very much of, that was another slap in the face of last Jedi from the end where he's just, where Kylo Ren orders to blow Luke to smithereens. He basically, I think that was, that was kind of a callback to that. Cause he even had a, a Kylo turns around and just points his finger at him. Like he's going to do something to him. Uh, I saw there was a couple cameos. We had the John Williams cameo. I don't know if he caught that. He was a, he was like a tinker in the, um, when they go to the planet that Zori Bliss and Babu Frick are on. Um, oh. He's like, it was the old guy that just panned by real quick, but he got, I, I think that's the first time John Williams has been in a Star Wars movie. I'm not, I'm not positive, but I think it was. Oh, I wanted to comment on, is it Babu Fricker is the name of that Bob, old? Babu Frick. Babu Frick. Yeah. That little character, whenever it spoke, I was dying laughing. Like I yeah. couldn't stop laughing. I, yeah, yeah. If I throw that whole that whole scene with him and C-3PO, and even when 3PO loses his memory at the end and just turns into annoying old C-3PO again, and everybody's just done with him, like just everybody hates him again. I I thought that was funny. Other cameo. The only other cameo I really caught there probably were more was at the very end. You had Wedge Antilles coming in. Um, on I I think he was flying the Falcon. No, no, I don't think he was flying the Falcon because I think uh, Chewie and and Lando were flying the Falcon. So that was that was a fun little uh callback. We had the at the very end when uh Ray's fighting back against Palpatine with uh first the single saber and both sabers and he she has all of the Jedi voices in her head. Or I, I think it's when she's trying to stand up. You had your normal ones, you had you had Obi Wan, you had Yoda, you had Luke. Leia might have been in there at that point, I can't remember. But they did have a cool couple cool other ones. There was Mace Windu was in there. Um, they had a couple other ones from the original trilogy, but they were they were, I think one was uh, I, I can't pronounce her name like Liara and Indula, but she was in the Clone Wars a little bit. But Ahsoka was in there, which I thought was cool, and then Kanan Jarrus, Freddie Prinze's character from Rebels, was in there. So the fact that they used voices from the cartoon series and the previous oh, and Anakin was in. I don't I think it was Hayden Christensen's voice. I. I I forgot to look. They, they went through it in the credits, like all the different characters. So I thought, I thought that was cool that they brought a bunch of the old Jedi back to talk to her while she was getting back up. I did re- realize that there were a lot of voices in there, but I couldn't pick up on all of them. Obviously, you're more you're more apt to pick up those those names and those characters. Yeah, the ones I definitely picked up were I I picked up the, the obvious ones, but I also picked up Liam Neeson, I picked up Mace Windu, and I picked up Ahsoka. Um, I missed Freddie Prinz. And then I, the other ones were kind of lesser-known Jedi. Really, the one that I was mad I missed was was Kanan's character because I 
I really like that show, so I was I was a little disappointed I didn't catch that one. But at the very end, like for the next time you go see the movie, there is a right after. I think it's the very end of the credits. Um, they have all the Jedi voices and they list them all out. Or you could just go look on Google. Although I'm sure it's listed somewhere now. Oh, you know what I wanted to comment on? Lando, I think worked really well in this movie. And when we see Billy D. Williams, like when we went to Celebration and you see him out in the world. You know, he's he's his health was kind of deteriorating, but he seemed pretty good. I, I wonder if he got in shape and he he just seemed healthy in this movie. And I was really happy to see it because he wasn't doing as well a couple of years ago when we saw him at Celebration. Yeah, I remember I, I remember having that worry, too, when he came out that he looked uh, like even when he spoke, he didn't um, he didn't seem like he was in it he to was, win it. Yeah. But yeah, this movie. I you're absolutely right. He, I think he fit well. I think it was a good, uh, good to bring bring him back. And um, yeah, it was good. One thing I wanted to talk about at some point is Carrie Fisher. When I first watched the movie, I was kind of amazed that they were able to have all these scenes with her in it. I didn't realize how they pulled it off. I don't think it's CGI. I don't think they put her face on someone else's body. I think these are all things that were filmed for The Force Awakens, and it's a lot of reactionary dialogue. It's not, she's not giving new information. Somebody's giving her, like, is talking to her, and she's reacting to it, and it's very general, generalized dialogue. I yep, didn't I, recognize that at first, but it, it, it works for me. I, I caught I caught on to it early. Like it was all her lines were very exactly what you said. They were very generic. So it was like yeah, they could just pull footage from from the Force Awakens and use it. And it seemed um, if uh, they made it fit the dialogue, um, what was going on. But yeah, they, there was no like I mean you could tell there was no new lines or anything like that. Which I mean you you got to do what you got to do in a situation like this. So to be, even be able to use her character at all in the movie is pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, there was a time where they, I think they, I forget what the joke was. Um, what's the name of the 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 bigger X-wing fighter? Uh, his name. So his character's name is Snap Wexley. His name's Greg Grump, uh, Greg Grunberg in real life. So he's talking to to Carrie Fisher to Le- to Leia, and I, oh, I wish I remember what he said. Go ahead. Yeah, he's he's basically saying like he's giving all the bad news, and I can't remember some like. I think it's Dominic Monaghan. I think it's the new character. Says, "Geez, could you be a little more, uh, like, uh, could you be a little more rough about it?" And he's like, "Then he goes into like, oh, this is all going to be awesome. Everything's going to be fine." <laughs> I remember laughing at that the first time and not thinking about it. But the second time I saw the movie, I was watching it and I was looking at Carrie Fisher and Leia's reaction, and her reaction is very muted. Like she put kind of puts her head down and looks off to the side. But I could tell at that moment this was footage that they they brought back from a prior movie because I think her she would have looked at one. You can tell that she never turns around and looks at anybody new, and her reactions are not strong. It's kind of muted. So I remember laughing the first time, and then the second on the second viewing, I was like kind of picking apart her performance. I said, like, "Oh wait, this is not her performance. This some stock footage from a prior movie." Um, yeah, the one thing, I, this is just kind of just going off on another, to another subject, but one, one thing, one twist I did, 
I wasn't sure I liked, but the more I think about it, I kind of like it. And it was a holdover from Last Jedi. If you think about uh, General Hux's character in yes. the in Force Awakens, he's very like he's he's not the I mean he's not the big bad. Snoke's the big bad, but he's very powerful and menacing. And um, they turn him into a very he's not that in Last Jedi. He's a very Weasley character. He's just like he's he's a snake in the grass and. They use that in, in this movie, too, where they they reveal that he's the spy that's given them the intel. And it's really just because he has this petty thing with Kylo Ren and he just wants to get back to him and he re- back at him. And the fact that they sense. used. Yeah, I, I it didn't I didn't think about it when they were talking about the whole spy thing at the beginning. But once he reveals it, I'm like, yeah, he would. And then he would also be the one that when he gets him alone, that he 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 brags that he's the spy. Um, so it's. I, I, I like that little throw in. I thought that worked pretty well. So have you seen the the TV show Killing Eve? No. There's a show that's pretty popular the last couple of years called Killing Eve. And there's one standout actress in it, is Jodie Comer. And she is Ray she pops up in the in the flashback and she's Ray's mom. I don't okay. think a lot of people picked up on that, but you know, maybe that's only for the, the Killing Eve fans out there. But I thought that was pretty cool. But it's a small role, kind of a cameo for her. Um, but yeah, I, 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 when she popped up, I I cheered. But I don't think anyone else had any idea who she was. Yeah. So one other like, well, I've got a couple other little things. But one thing that I will say that you did you did the right way, that I did the wrong way was the trailers with this movie. I think the trailers gave away way too much, and I think it took away from the movie. Um, I've got. One example in particular was if you saw the trailer, you saw the shot, the scene of of Lando and Chewie flying the Falcon together. Um, and you get to this. So then you get into the movie and you get to the scene where Ray blows the ship that we think Chewie's on, Chewie is on, blows it up with the force lightning. That scene with Lando and Chewie hadn't happened yet. So and I know they I mean, this is famous with Avengers. They film stuff. For the for the trailers that they don't put in to the movies, but at that point I know Chewie's not dead because I'm like I haven't seen that scene yet. I saw it in the trailers, so I, I didn't have the emotional gut punch of Chewie being dead because I knew he wasn't dead because um, they had because that scene hadn't come on yet. The other this is something you mentioned earlier with the be- the beautiful scenes, the cinematography in the movie. Two that I think would have really hit hard if. You would have saw it the first time in the movie, but you didn't because you saw them both in the trailer. Was the reveal of the hundreds of star destroyers in the in the lightning-filled atmosphere? Um, that would have been really cool to see for the first time on a big screen. But I've been seeing it for weeks on on little screens, so it really didn't bang to it. Didn't have any punch to it. Um, and the other one, when all the not just the rebel ships, but all the ships from the galaxy show up at the very end to fight this war. That scene was in the that scene was in the the trailers too. So I thought that would have been a really cool scene where you see hundreds of thousands of just random fighters coming in to wage this war. I thought that would have had a lot more punch if you saw it the first time in the movie theater, not in the trailers. So I just they, they just went a little too. I, they went a little too overboard with it in, in on the trailers for this. <clears throat> I didn't think about the Chewie thing when I saw the first trailer. I don't even remember if I saw if it wasn't the first trailer, but I only saw the first trailer that came out like over a year ago. 
but again, it's like, eh, I really wish I, I really wish I would have saw that. Wouldn't have seen that because then I really would have had more. I might not have totally believed he was dead, but it would have been, I wouldn't have been a hundred percent sure that he wasn't dead. I'm thinking about the story and how it evolved. So initially, Colin Trevorrow was going to direct this movie. Then he was let go, and initially the original script was going to be was written by Colin Trevorrow and Derek Connolly. I think if you look at the the writing credit, um, I think they say story by is Derek Connolly and Colin Trevorrow with an ampersand. That means that they did it together as a team. And then they have the word and, and then it's also J.J. Abrams and Chris Torrio. Mm-hmm. So what they they didn't completely wipe out some of the, the Bates ingredients for the film that Colin Trevorrow and Derek Connolly came up with. There's still some pieces in there, enough that they still needed to get some story by credit. But... J.J. Abrams and Chris Torrio also got story by credit. So that means that they've changed enough or they've added enough characters, plot points, etc. to get story by credit. But the script itself is credited to just J.J. Abrams and Chris Torrio. So that means whenever they brought them on in late 2017, they scrapped the scripts basically entirely all the words that were written on the page they deleted and they started writing anew they used some of the some of the story some of the the character beats or maybe some of the foundational stuff that was laid laid by Derek Connolly and Colin Trevorrow and they built upon it they added new stuff but the word the actual script itself is was completely rewritten by J.J. Abrams and and Torrio. So, and this all happened in late 2017. And they also met with um, George Lucas. So I wonder if there was a team that was put together to help J.J. and Chris to put this together quickly. But they also met with George Lucas. I wonder if ideas from what George Lucas intended, you know, way back when, whenever he... Because I remember he had an idea for the next trilogy. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much of that was put back in place when Colin Trevor, or sorry, when J.J. Abrams and Chris Torrio met with George Lucas. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, maybe we'll know someday. We don't. We don't know yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, that kind of goes back to what I said earlier. I really wish they just would have had a an overall story for the trilogy from the beginning. And then you can have writers in between that fill in the gaps, but you have a general direction of where the story is going. Okay. So I think the last thing we should, we should do is talk about the future of star Wars and where they can go with this. Or what does this mean about the future of star Wars? Because like, I think there's room for a continuation of the Star Wars story, but it cannot be, you know, a, a new empire. It cannot be, it, it can't be the same trope done again. They're going to need to take this in a new direction. And it, I, I think you know this, but if you don't know, Disney's planning on taking a break from making the features for a little while. I don't know how long that break's going to be. Do they have a... Do you remember when they released the slate or they of Disney movies if there was any on 
calendar for Star Wars? I believe there was, and I think it was for three years from now. I think it was 2022. Okay, so they're going to take a break. I don't know if that's going to be Kevin Feige's movie or if that's going to be someone else's movie. Yeah. I doubt it's Ryan Johnson's, and I don't think they're going to go forward with the, the Weiss yeah. and Benioff movie. Yep. No, I mean, I think that's as good a guess as any right now is that, that it's going to be um, Kevin Feige's movie. I hope it's directed by Deborah Chow at this point, but we'll we'll see. Uh, she's She's got enough on her plate. <laughs> well, she might not be busy then. I mean, if she's doing Obi-Wan starting this year, yeah, and that's only going to be a six-episode arc. They've already said that that's going to be a kind of just a mini-series. It's not going to be a continuing series. The timing might work out well. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the Obi-Wan series. What Disney Plus allows for is they can put a lot of they can put a decent amount of money in, into what they're showing on Disney Plus, but it could be a small story. It could be something that's limited in in its range. It could be focused on one character or a handful of characters, but it can tell a smaller story with and the stakes don't need to be overwhelming. Right. So I I kind of think the future of Star Wars quality Star Wars stories is on Disney Plus where they don't feel like they need to have galaxy-ending stakes in those stories. They can play around with the new Jedi Order, whatever they want to call it. You know what I think would be very cool, and it's something that I've pondered, is they could have like a, a high school story or like a kid story where it's just about people being trained. Like Jedi Academy. Temple. Yeah. yeah, Jedi Temple is usually what they call it. They might even call it Luke's New Academy at some point. Yeah, I think they can do something with. They could do something political. They could say like, "Oh, this is the new, the new Republic." Or well, the New Republic. I don't. I don't think is ever really destroyed. I think uh, it's just. Yeah, they destroyed. I mean, they destroyed the the capital worlds of it. So they're gonna. Uh, a lot of their leaders are gone. So they're gonna have to do something to reestablish. Yeah, that may be going too much into political drama, but I would like to understand the the countries and that sort of stuff a little bit more. That's just my own intrigue. But I think a, there's small stories they can do. That means you should get a subscription to Audible because they, they go into a lot of that in the books. Oh, uh, any in particular? Uh, um, Bloodline is really good. It's actually, so it's set, I don't know, maybe like five, seven years before The Force Awakens. It goes into a lot of the politics with the New Republic. But even um, the the tr- the aftermath trilogy, the, those are the ones that are right after Episode Six. They go into a lot of politics of establishing the New Republic. So there's uh, the, that's at least four books right there that they they not heavy. Well, so actually, Bloodline gets heavy in the politics. But even some of the older stuff, they the the Leia Prince. Um, I can't remember the name of the Leia book. Um, but it's all about her backstory before she goes into the Senate, like when she's young. There's a lot of them out there that really dig into it. I think they have opportunities to make something new and fresh. I just don't think the the stakes need to be as high, at least for the next round of, of films or the next rounds of content. We can also analogize this to what's happening with Marvel. Like a lot of the stuff they're going to come out with in Marvel, besides besides Black Widow, it's almost like they're taking a break from the Avengers, big, heavy stake movies, and they're going back and they're going to do smaller movies. 
and they're going to be doing the stuff on Disney Plus, which is a lot more character driven. This is kind of like, you know, we, we went through an evolution of like high stakes, big movies for a while. And now they're not going to be fighting Thanos. They're not going to be fighting an empire. They're not going to be fighting an emperor. They're going to do something new. Yeah, I think this uh, the movie and the, and the trilogy in general lends itself to a lot of, uh, I said this at the beginning, filling in the gaps. There's going to be some kind of story, whether it's a book or a comic, or I doubt they do a TV series on it, but Palpatine, how he was he was resurrected or how he stayed alive, where all these Sith disciples came from there's gonna there's gonna be something about that there's gonna be something about Ray's yellow lightsaber at the end how did she get oh, yes. it um, explaining, yes. i mean just doing an explanation on that um and even something as simple as um it was kind of a throwaway line at the end but Jaina sitting the new character uh jana or Jaina sitting next to lando and lando said let's go figure out who you are i mean they could do oh, yeah. a whole they could do a whole adventure on that, just figuring out who she is, or they could pick pick whichever stormtrooper you want, um, going to find their long lost family or home or whatever. Whatever they do, if they're gonna make a movie or a Disney Plus show on it, I want it to be like set in the future or building from where we are. Like I think it's fun to go back and explore the gaps and that's that's interesting but i don't think casual fans will want to watch fill in the blank movie like i think that's what one of the problems with rogue one and um the han solo movie they were they were they were okay the rogue one movie is actually pretty good han solo movies whatever but one of the issues is we're going back in time and we already kind of know how it's going to end in a way or it doesn't feel as relevant when we're going from the present and going forward we're learning new information and we're going through the the process of discovery and it just makes the story more interesting to me i don't like the idea of going backwards i'm okay with going backwards i'll I'll equate it again to second episode in a row i bring up breaking bad but Breaking Bad, we know how that ends. We know how Saul Goodman's storyline ends. But, I mean, then you come out with Better Call Saul. And I I personally like filling in the gaps and seeing how they do it. That's why I, part of the reason I read all these books and, and comics and, and all that stuff. I just like to kind of get as much backstory as I possibly can. But I, I'm, I'm totally good with moving forward, too. I think that's a... I mean, you've got plenty to do with Ray and building a new Jedi Jedi assembly or just uh, how the New Republic reforms or what happens to Poe and what happens to Finn. You've got plenty of stories you can go with. Okay. Uh, I mean, I don't know if there's anything more to add. I, you know, for all my quibbles, I still enjoy the movie. And I may even, I have a Regal Unlimited pass. So I can go and see it as many times as I want for free. I may go in there and, and watch it again. Maybe I'll watch it for another half of the movie. Like that first half of the movie is very fun. I can go in there and watch that and then go leave and go watch some other movie. But, um, you know, I, I definitely, because I had so much fun, I appreciated the humor and the camaraderie and the chemistry. You know, I probably will see it again. And I don't do that very often. Yeah, I... 
I, I've got two little kids, so I don't see any movies very often. So the fact that I saw this once was amazing, and I will try to go see it again. So it's that's saying something. But I mean, I'm also a big Star Wars fan, so that kind of has something to do with it. But yeah, last, I mean, going into Last Jedi, I think I saw it twice. I I can't remember, but I remember I re- I didn't I struggled getting through that movie on when it came to Blu-ray or Force Awakens and Rogue One. I was ready to see it again, like when it came when it came out on 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 demand or Blu-ray. This one I'm gonna I'll, I saw it once. I'm gonna see it again, and I'm pretty sure I'm gonna wanna I'm gonna be ready to see it again in a few months. The only I I, I meant to mention this before, and it was just a random last minute thought. I actually I I enjoyed. Last Jedi, if you would have taken that dang Canto by 30 minutes out, that would have been a totally different movie. And I would have been, even though they did all these things, I would have been totally good with it. But that just, uh, that, it, it hurt, it hurt me to watch it that, that 20 or 30 minutes. Yeah. That was just something popped in my head earlier that they didn't, that, that was one thing I was really looking for on this movie is they better not have a dang Canto bite, um, scene or, section of the movie and they didn't yeah. so that so i that made me happy i think the canto bite sequence in this movie is when they go to that planet and they're having the festival it's brief and it's not jarring but i'm glad they didn't have a long sequence like that i don't know what what prompted you to have that thought but i also wanted to touch on you know i if if they if they were to reshoot the last jedi or if they were to edit The Last Jedi, you know how they have these fan cuts out there in the world. If someone were to put out and ask for money to recut The Last Jedi, um, the, the the relationship between Holdo and Poe, I don't, I don't like that. I don't have an issue with her plan or what she does. I just have an issue with her not sharing the plan. And I don't like Poe, his reaction and his character in that movie. And I also, and I hate what they do with Finn and Rose in that movie where they, they, they pull them off and they send them the Kanto bite. I think what he does when Finn fights um, Phasma and when he's back and they're, they're, they're on the ship together. I'm fine with it. Um, The idea of failure and failure as a theme, I'm okay with, but it's not as much fun. But so if they can pull out Kanto bite, and they can somehow change the Holdo Poe dynamic um, and that non-exchange of information, I would be great with The Last Jedi. Well, they, they actually do something in this movie that, I don't know if... Uh, course corrects or... Yeah, course corrects that problem. Um, but they do set up what, what Poe was before he was in the Resistance, that he was basically, he was a drug dealer. He was a spice runner, which everybody was thinking, oh, he's just a, he's a military guy. Why isn't he taking these orders or why is he questioning everything? And why isn't she sharing this information with him? She probably knows what he was. And she's like, I'm not, I'm not dealing with this guy. Yeah. You may be a great fighter, but I'm not giving you any military strategy. So I, this, this thought just popped in my head, but it does to me fix that issue a little bit. I, it's still, I agree with you. It still kind of doesn't, doesn't work very well in the movie, but at least this kind of helps to answer why why they're acting the way they do in that movie. I didn't think about that, but it kind of makes sense. You know, still it still hurts when I see it. Yeah. Um, the the 
the reception of this movie, the box office for this movie, for Rise of Skywalker, I think it's going to do relatively well this weekend. It's, I think it'll probably make... It may suffer because of some of the criticism. Um, it may be like may make 150 or so, 150 to 200, which you know is not great for for what they what Disney wants from this movie. I think the hardcore fans will watch this movie multiple times. I think a lot of the folks who who resent the Last Jedi, who have problems with the Last Jedi, who are angry with with Ryan Johnson will be will feel redeemed in this movie will like this movie and will probably go back to seeing it over and over again the repeat watching from those type of fans i think will occur i think that was where i was listening to a podcast and reading up about the last jedi in terms of you know business and and profit it brought money it was profitable to the company but it wasn't the force awakens numbers it wasn't it wasn't as successful as disney would have liked and it's because a lot of a, a large contingent of fans will see this movie three, four, five, six, seven times. I've heard of people who have seen a Star Wars movie fifteen times in theaters. That didn't occur with the Last Jedi, and I think that might occur with this movie. Um, but I I wonder if the casual fan will be interested in seeing this movie. But I think the hardcore fans will enjoy it. Yeah, I think this is going to be, if just taking a guess, I think it's going to be right below 200, somewhere in the one, 190 range. Um, the first one dropped about 25, 30 million. I think this is going to have the same drop, which is unfortunate because I think it's going to be a lot of those, it, it's going to be a lot of those people that were just like, after The Last Jedi, I'm done. I'm not, um, I'm, I'm done with Star Wars. Um, I hope that's not the case. But I do agree with you. I think this one lends itself to repeat viewing much more because it is much more of a fun movie and it doesn't have the the scenes that you truly just kind of make your gut wrench. Yep. All right. Well, Zach, we've had two podcasts this week. Another episode of The Mandalorian coming up next week that looks like it's going to be really good. Really excited for that. Um, and I'm not sure what we'll do after this. Maybe we'll talk about some other Disney Plus shows or take a break and then do something different. But, you know, this week has been fun. Any last thoughts from you? No, it was a good movie. Glad I went to see it. Glad it um, it was not for, it did have a few issues, but it was definitely not disappointing. I'm, uh, I was good with it. I, I don't really understand the mixed reactions. I think kind of like you said, too many people are going into it with a, uh, a critic's mind and not just a, uh, general uh, moviegoer casual mind I hope it doesn't suffer the box office I think it will a little bit but that's okay more for me so I'll go see it more times <laughs> um, yeah if you're out there in the world and you listen to this podcast for whatever reason don't beat up the story too much and you'll appreciate this film for what it is mm-hmm. alright this has been another episode of Zick and Wick Thank you very much for joining us, and hopefully we will see you in a week. Have a good one. Bye, guys.